This is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks, presented by your neighborhood Ford store on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Well, good morning. <laughs> I love it. Good morning, everybody. Happy pre-Thanksgiving. I got to tell you, I was just out. We're, we're on a Zoom call together. Max is down in Mexico. <laughs> I'm in Pittsburgh. And the last thing I said to Max, I said, oh, by the way, I forgot my notes. <laughs> and you got all fired up, Max. You're like, oh, yeah, yeah, we're going to fly by the seat of our pants here. And we're just going to have at it. How are you, my friend? I'm doing wonderful, Wolf. And you know what? Sometimes you got to embrace life. You got to embrace the chaos, the transition, and I, I, I'm, I'm excited. You know, I, I think one of the big things that we have is that, I mean, notes are normally great for the show, but you know what? <laughs> sometimes you just got to go off a of feel. You know, sometimes it's going to be unscripted. It's a two-minute drill of life, right? Yes. And today, this show is going to be two-minute drill. We are going to go with what the defense gives us. And we're just going to make the best out of it. And that's what we're doing right now. You know, it's like that saying, the best laid plans of mice and men. Pass the cheese here, yeah. buddy. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, I was just sitting there. I'm thinking about, okay, I got this. I got this. I look around and go, where's my notes? I, my notes. I got, I got notes. Where's notes? And all of a sudden... <laughs> I wrote these. I wrote them. I know I did. I know I did. Oh, my goodness. Well, today we've got the coach, Tom Bradley, checking in at 1020. And then we got Jim Wexel um, from Steel City Insider and the Book of Palomalu and all things hair checking in at 11 o'clock today. And it's a pre-Thanksgiving Wednesday. And I got to tell you, I'm excited. I mean, how, how exciting is Turkey Day? It's just the best. Oh. It, it is a time-honored tradition that is squarely revolved around sharing and eating food. Yes. I mean, yes. when you just think about the basal reason, yes, it is to give thanks. How did you give thanks? You broke bread together. Exactly so. And now so it is a food-based holiday, and I'm all for it. <laughs> Well, there's a lot of things to give thanks for, and uh, I I was thinking about it myself, you know, and you know the first thing I'm very thankful, seriously, very thankful because there is so much to be thankful for, you know. I am thankful for my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the gift of salvation. I'm thankful for my wife, my family, and friends that pour into my life. You know, I'm thankful for the gift of life, for being able to enjoy. Uh, just breathing, you know, that's the health. It's such a beautiful thing, and I'm so grateful for it. I'm grateful for a football season, my man. I mean, you know, despite the, the turmoils and the struggles of what the Steelers are going through, you know, this beats the pants off of empty stadiums and delayed games and everything else that goes on. There's just so yeah. much to be thankful for, you know. I mean, just really. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, you know, thankful for my friends and my family. Yeah. Um, just the the ability, you know, of the you know for me to ha be on this show is another thing. To be able to share, to be able to come out here and talk, 
to our fans <laughs> and, you know, discuss the team. I think that that's something to be grateful for because, you know, for me, this is the first time I've actually done a regular show and had a, a daily show or something like that. Wait a minute. Those, I, those I, were air quotes. I saw air quotes. <laughs> yeah, because some people are like, oh, you got a daily, you know, daily show. Right. Um, but, um, but no, it, it, it's a great opportunity, and, and I'm blessed and I'm thankful for it. Yes. And so I, I definitely thank Steelers Nation um, for embracing me. Obviously, mm-hmm. I know I, I, you know, it, it was it was a transition, but you guys have welcomed me with open arms, and I really appreciate that. So I'm thankful for that. Amen. You know, I'm I'm thankful for you know for the ability to be able to talk to my parents. You know, yeah. they're still kicking, and I am thankful for them because they gave me life. Yeah. <laughs> you know, had that not happened, go big man, go. No yeah. There's yeah, no you're on a roll. So, yeah. So no, I'm very very thankful. I don't take things for granted. So. You know, Thanksgiving means a lot, even though I do think about the food and the tryptophan. It's, uh, you know, I, 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 I do honor the holiday and the tradition because at the end of the day, it's about giving thanks. It's about having people around your table that you care about and sharing with them, um, you know, a meal or breaking bread. So, no, I, I don't take it lightly, but I do joke about it. And I am thankful for it. Absolutely, my friend. You know, and that's one of the wonderful gifts is. The fact that you can look back at some of the Thanksgivings and from historically looking at it. Think about this. I looked this up, Max. Even though I forgot my notes, I still managed to find this, okay? The first Thanksgiving was created in 1621. It was a three-day harvest festival. What could? Why don't we go three days? I think that would be marvelous. We go Wednesday, oh. Thursday, Friday, or maybe Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Or let's make it four days. Why not just do the whole weekend, man? That'd be great. Listen, and just imagine, like, you just have, like, it's almost like Oktoberfest when you walk under the tents, like, just these long, like, t- picnic-style tables <laughs> right, right. of just food and goodness. That's what you should have. It should be like, you know what? We are just going to set up the world's lar- largest picnic table in every city, <laughs> and everybody has to come. Bring, bring, your, bring your, your own dish, a potluck-style and let's just do it every single day, and we share and break bread together. That would that would be that would be something. Tell me that wouldn't be sensational. How how heavy you think we'd get? Think about that. Oh oh oh, that's oh 15, 15 maybe fifteen easy easy. Yeah, I would say. Yeah yeah, it'd be a Thanksgiving fifteen instead of a freshman fifteen. Well, here's yeah okay, no doubt. Because think about this: the average number of calories consumed on Thanksgiving, the average. All right, we're above average, guys. When it goes, you know, we are. In, cons- in, in consumption of calories, we're above average, right? The average oh. consumed calories on Thanksgiving by a regular dude is forty five hundred calories. Oh, <laughs> oh, that's easily breakfast. 12, that's breakfast, man. Easily, I was gonna say easily twelve thousand for us. <laughs> Easy. <laughs> Could you imagine that over three days? Oh, mm. no, we. We will be walking around like 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 Goodyear blunts. <laughs> I mean, it, I, I, let me tell you, let me tell you something, because this this falls right in line with it. The National Plumbers Association say that the busiest day of the year is the day after Thanksgiving. <laughs> oh yeah, of course. No, I, I'm surprised it would be that one. I just thought about it. Yeah, I mean, it, it does have a correlation. You got to think about it. It's not pretty. We don't want to really go there too deep or think about it too much. But 
Exactly. The busiest day for plumbers is the day after Thanksgiving. To you, to have a septic tank or to just have public sewage? That's the question. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness! You think about that now. Oh, here's here's something else. Okay. Okay. Turkey wasn't on the menu at the first Thanksgiving, but you know what was? Venison, duck, goose. Now get this. Oysters, lobster, eel, and fish. They were served along uh, pumpkin and cranberries, but not pumpkin pie or cranberry sauce. But think about this. Who first went after oysters and looked at that agave snot and thought, oh, that's that's got to be good. I got to eat that. Or who looks at a, a lobster and thinks, man, that's that's good-looking stuff. You got to you know, fence with the lobster a little bit. Or an eel. Ooh, I don't know, man. I, I, I still don't get eel, but um... – Yeah. Yeah, no, I am. Do you do I sushi? Are you a sushi guy? Oh, love sushi. Oh, I, love, I do too. I, I absolutely love but sushi. But I don't like yeah, eel. I mean, eel I don't like. I don't do eel. Yeah. I, I don't do eel. But, I mean, yeah. I mean, I look at it and I'm like, I'm, I'm thankful to the guy who figured out that lobster was tasty. Because lobster is tasty. Uh, on the fence about the oyster guy. I, I eat it, but it's not like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to have oysters. Um, but yeah, I, I want to know who thought Turkey was going to be the more appropriate item. Is it because it was bigger than the goose or (laughs) some people couldn't find the goose? Maybe Uh, that's true. Was it, was a goose quicker than a Turkey? Now a goose could fly. Now a Turkey don't fly. I mean, he, and that that might be why he falls with style. (laughs) You know, I mean, you go to WKRP in Cincinnati, the infamous, you know, one when, when they went up for the turkey drop, turkey, yeah. they had live turkeys and they were split yeah. around like wet bags of cement. <laughs> Speaking of Cincinnati, since we're going there this weekend, but you got yeah. that WKRP in Cincinnati and they drive. <laughs> the kids were all scarred. <laughs> The turkeys were in the ground like wet bags. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and the, sta- the station manager comes in and he goes, I, I promise you, I, I, I swore they, they could fly. I thought sure they could fly. <laughs> I thought for sure they could fly. I forgot about that. I just remembered it's one of the funniest bits. Oh my god, that is so amazing. Oh, you know what? (laughs) You think about that. Uh, You know, the fact is that. Well, here's another factoid. I'll give you this one. (laughs) Okay, let's let's hear it. Okay, Abraham Lincoln proclaimed Thanksgiving a national holiday on uh, October third, eighteen sixty-three. Let's see. Oh, that's not the one. Um, the history. Oh, here's one. The history of U.S. presidents pardoning turkeys is patchy. Harry Truman is often credited with the first president to pardon a turkey, but that's not quite true. He was the first to receive a ceremonial turkey from the National Turkey Foundation, and like I would do, he had it for dinner. <laughs> Look at that fresh turkey, guys. Oh my God. Can you imagine? Hey, we're gonna we're gonna send you a turkey from the National Turkey Foundation. Oh, okay, thanks. Let's grill it up. Yeah, it's gotta be good. 
came from the National Turkey Foundation. I mean, it doesn't get more certified than that. <laughs> well, JFK was the first to let a Thanksgiving turkey go, who then was followed by Richard Nixon, who sent his turkey to a petting zoo. And, and George H. Bush is the president who formalized the turkey pardoning tradition in 1989. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You know, I, I'm sitting that, there going, that, That's amazing. Oh, I know. I mean, it's just like, come on. You know, I mean, turkey is, is, is great. It's wonderful. It's part of every Thanksgiving. You know, here's the thing about it, man. I had to pick up some Narcan just in case I, get, I go into trip to trip to Fancoma tomorrow. How many, oh, how, no question. How many servings do you go? I'm usually two, then a break. Two, then a break. Okay. And then I come back for a turkey sandwich. Do you do you like fall asleep? I, oh, absolutely. Oh yeah. I, I, you know, it's just absolutely. like I drop yeah. deep, man. Because here's the thing yeah. about it, I gotta go with uh, a tsunami of gravy. You know, I like that. You just you got gravy everywhere, oh, yeah. man. Just gravy out the wazoo. You know, you get yourself all that well, turkey going. And I used to go with the mashed potatoes, and, you know, you make a, a, a lake out of the mashed potatoes. But now it's just we, we don't even bother that, man. It's just overflowing. Well, I mean, because look at it. The, the mashed potatoes need it. Turkey needs it. Uh, stuffing needs it. Right. Oh, yeah. So it's like, and at that point, it's like, well, listen, I, I have the place already, you know, committed. Right. Why, why not just go ahead and throw it on a little bit of the green bean casserole as well? Right, I'm you sure are. I'm going to have the residual anyways. It's not like I'm eating, you know, in, in like a, a lunch-style tray where it's got the four different quadrants. <laughs> this is, it's all commingling, baby. I, hey, listen, it's going to get Look there. at you with the bacon, man. Once again, they made bacon again this morning. Boy, it I'm, looks amazing. Man, is that Mexican <laughs> bacon? No, it, no, it, 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 hey, no, it, it might. It's, it's fried in Mexico, but this, this is just, this is just old Porky Pig there. Oh um, man, that's man, just looking better than ten movie stars. I'm telling you. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it is. It's good flavoring, but yeah, no, I mean, you know, I'm the one. Like the only thing I don't like my gravy touching. Okay. That would the only thing it would be would be my like my sweet potato casserole or some okay. souffle. That's okay. the only one because it has a sweet texture and the gravy, you know, the gravy kind of messes with that flavor palette. That's the only thing. But other than that, I got gotcha. you. But see, I always figure out it all ends up in the same place anyhow. So what the heck? <laughs> it, it, it is, you know, I mean, but, you know, it's a matter of taste. Hate. You have more of uh, that. Your palate is maybe a little more discerning than mine. No, I just I want savory. And then the sweet kind of just finishes it off at the end, you know? It's like boom. Okay, bow. That, that's the end of the ride. You know that that's 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 when we hit the final launch off of the water slide. You know at that point. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's another one for you. The tradition of football on Thanksgiving began in 1876 with a game between Yale and Princeton. Ooh, oh, okay. the Yaleites and go. the Princetonese. Uh, and the first NFL games the were the leaguers. Uh huh. Yes. And the first NFL games were played on Thanksgiving in 1920. How about that? Wow. That's an old tradition. So over 100 years ago. That's what apparently is. This. According they, they, to this. They thought this was a cool idea. That's pretty awesome. Okay. Yeah, that works. That. that works. You think about it, man. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Now, also, Butterball answers more than 100,000 turkey cooking questions via their Butterball 
Turkey Hotline each November and December. How'd you like to be on that watch? Hello, oh Butterball Turkey Federation. You know, uh, you got you got a problem. Uh, here we go. You know, no, sir, you cannot put a cold turkey in in the turkey fryer. <laughs> do not do that. You will blow up your. And sir, please put the turkey fryer in an open air area, not your garage. Okay. <laughs> Because yeah, that's my question. How many of those calls do they get? Oh, I can only imagine. It would be like, you know, half of Buffalo's calling, right? <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine that? My goodness. That's just oh, amazing. And last of all, there are four towns in the United States named Turkey. How about that? They're in one, there's no. one in Arizona. There's Turkey, Arizona, Turkey, go. Texas. Turkey, Louisiana, and Turkey, North Carolina. How about that? I didn't know there was a oh, turkey. I did not realize that either. That's pretty awesome. Okay. Yeah. You, so you don't know of the Turkey, that, Arizona one? I've never heard of that one. Huh. How about that? That's well, right. I, I, I will tell you this. would be proud to know that fact right there. That would have been a good one for him. Now, let me ask you. Were you did you play in the uh, turkey day? the turkey day with the coin flip? No. No, you didn't no. play that one? Okay, with Jerome Bettis. Okay. Because yeah, we've had no, a long history of not-so-good um, days on Thanksgiving. In 83, we had the Thanksgiving Day Massacre when we lost 45-3. to that was, uh, that was really a bad day. Really a yeah. bad day. But we'll talk about yeah. it. we got to go to break. Okay. We got, yeah. Now, we got we got Coach Tom Bradley coming up. So stay tuned. We'll be back with more yeah, on our pre-Thanksgiving Thanksgiving pre-day thing. We'll be back. This is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks, presented by your neighborhood Ford store on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. And we are back. Wolf, Starks, and the Ninjas in the locker room, and the locker room extends from Pittsburgh to Mexico, where Big Max is having himself... Some nice, uh, what, uh, what we, we got the crepes, we got the uh, pancakes, what do we got going, bacon? Yeah. It was bacon and huevos rancheros today. Oh, huevos rancheros, I like that. Mm-hmm. Man, that looked yeah. good. I could almost smell it coming through the uh, the Zoom call here. But, all right. Yeah, yeah. All right, first of all, before we get uh, moving on here, uh, Ray Ray McLeod has uh, now been put on the COVID list. You know, you had Ben Roethlisberger and Mika Fitzpatrick were on that list last week. You know, Ben got cleared before the game, but Mika missed the the game. And uh, now Ray Ray McLeod, uh, who caught two passes for 12 yards and had uh, two returns uh, for 31 and a half yards, uh, you know, averaged 31 and a half on the two returns, which was good returns. Okay, that'll work. But um, unfortunately, he's going to probably miss the game, but they're going to promote Kevin Rader to the uh, roster. They signed him to the 53-man because Eric Ebron got a knee. Yeah, I think, you know, Kevin Rader, we, we saw him in action earlier this year, a couple weeks ago. And, you know, I like I like that decision to get him in there, which also tells us that they like three tight end sets, that they like having three tight ends right. involved in this offense. And you got to have them. We're not going to do two. We want to keep three. So that's a promising sign. Uh, Ray Ray, you know, that, that's that's tough because, like you said, he's our main return guy. And 
you know, that week that Mason was in, I mean, he was one of the faved targets by Mason Rudolph in that game. So you felt like Rayway was coming along and finally finding his niche within this offense, and then we kind of lose him. So he will be missed for this game, but I think now you create another opportunity for somebody else to step up and play big. You know, we, we still have Cody White. It's still there. Let's see. If yes, we do. Yeah, there's something that he can do to add, you know, to, to the offense and also to the special teams game. You know, there's another guy in that practice squad, too, that uh, showed up down pretty good in, in training camp. Actually, Rico Bussey. Rico was. Oh, OK. Uh, Rico's on good. there. Yeah. He's yeah, yeah, he's still there. So I do like here's the thing I like about Kevin Rader. And you got to always say Kevin Rader, Pine Richland. OK, because he's he's a hometown yeah. guy. So we always got to say Kevin Rader, Pine Richland. Okay, so Kevin Rader, Brian Richland, all right, he is being promoted. One of the things he did best of all, I really thought coming out of training camp, he was the number one blocking, run-blocking tight end. I mean, there was no question in my mind. Zach has been coming on. I have not seen uh, how Kevin, you know, what his skill level is now, uh, you know, coming out of, uh, you know, the fact that he's been on practice squad and only been up for one game. That was Chicago, which, by the way, Kevin Rader – Pine Richland caught his first NFL pass. And I, I just – I like yes, Kevin. Kevin's a good dude. He's really um, a hardworking guy. And, like I said, coming out of training camp, I felt he was the best run-blocking guy. But now Zach Gentry is right there with him. So, certainly I got to believe that, uh, you know, using him is going to be, I would think, part hopefully going to be significant. Well, yeah, I, I think I think it's significant. I think, you know, like you said, he w- he was active for the Chicago game. And I remember it was like, I want to say it was like the second or third play he was in, ball was going to him. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think that's also one of the cool things is that, listen, it's like, hey, if we're going to put you in there, we're going to use you. We want right. to get you involved in this offense. And I think I think that's one of the things that gets you kind of excited about this offense is, you know, the guys who go out there, they're going to get used. They're, they're not all just decoys and you don't have to wear, oh, I only got one pass attempt or two. Mike, it's like, no, you're, you're going to get the ball thrown to you. What do you make of that opportunity is all up to you. And because of Kevin Rader catching that pass, now this opportunity comes again. He moves up, and, and he gets a chance again. There you go. All right. All right, I think we got the coach on, Tom Bradley. I believe you're there. Coach, are you there? I'm there. I'm here. All right. So glad that you were able to join us. Now, understand, Max is in Mexico eating Ranchero Cuervas and all sorts of Mexicali food. So, Well, you you do know how I get a little bit worried about you over Thanksgiving because they do shoot, shoot turkeys. So be careful. Be careful. <laughs> <laughs> now, wait a second. I'm actually going to get a cup of coffee, and the guy goes, hey, uh, listen to your show with Craig. Boy, I tell you. He started talking. He he must have saw you fight this guy Butterbean. He was telling him about this fight, and I'm like, I don't know who Butterbean is. How did you do? He, he, did you he didn't, did he get you? Did Butterbean get you like in the fourth round or something? Yeah, I lost in the fourth round, but it was one heck of a fight. Uh, I got to tell you, it was one of the most fun times of my life. It was extraordinary, it was really man. He, he he knew the whole fight. He was going over the whole fight. Oh. I'm like, I don't know who Butterbean is. Oh, let me tell you. You know, you, you could get him confused with Butterball, right? Because we got turkeys going on. But he was, the guy was amazing. He was like 5'9", 5'10", and 364 pounds. I mean, between his belt and his chin was about three inches. You know, when he got into wow. 
He might still know you fought Butterfield. You learn something new every day, Max. How about it? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, that, that's that's pretty awesome. I we mean, had a, we had a, it was it was a heck of a time. So yeah. Anyhow, Coach, thank you for joining us. And uh, the first thing I got to ask is, okay, you know what it's like. Well, not, maybe not quite quite what it's like, but to give up forty one points and five hundred thirty three yards, uh, defensively speaking. How do you come to your unit, which everybody knows you're depleted people. I mean, you're depleted significant people. How do you keep your unit up, that that defensive unit going, knowing that they're lacking some firepower? Well, first off, everybody's been a defensive coordinator, has been in this situation before, okay? Yeah. They've had those, you know, some days you're the bird, some days you're the windshield, okay? And um, (laughs) uh, been there. Done that, and I tell you, what you got to do is, and I'm sure Coach Tom and Coach Butler, Coach Austin, all those guys are going to gear down and just, you know, challenge this football team. This is a huge game this week. Forget about last week; it doesn't mean anything. I mean, this this Bengal game is big because, you know, you start looking at those standings and you're like, you know, hey, you know, this can this is going to be a, a heck of a finish in, in that league. You got Ravens seven and three, Bengals six and four, Steelers five four and one, Browns six and five. And you're going to be playing, you know, the Bengals. You got the Baltimore still twice to come. So, you know, the the best part of this season is right now. That this is going to be a great finish. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely, Tom. And but, you know, I think he's hawking up some bacon, Tom. Sorry about that. I am not <laughs> hawking up bacon. <laughs> not hawking up bacon. Anywho, <laughs> uh, Tom. So, anyways. What I was going to say before I was so rudely interrupted by somebody that's jealous of my of, of, of my food I have here. <laughs> you betcha. <laughs> yeah. Was that, uh, you know, when you look at just, yes, the numbers look gaudy from one side, like, like Craig mentioned, but, you know, where, where, do you, where do you take a little bit of solace or what, what was there anything that, that kind of invigorated you watching the, the Steelers play Sunday night that you're like, hey, that was, that was pretty good. Well, first of all, you know, it's different as a fan than a coach. I think when you lose as a coach, and you guys lose as players, you take no solace in anything. You know what I mean? You lost, okay? Mm-hmm. And But I do, just as from a fan perspective, the one thing I thought was I thought that uh, – I thought Ben played tremendous. I thought Ben looked great, mm. uh, a lot like his old self there. And I'm not worried about this defense because, you know, the, 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 these guys, they lost a lot of firepower on defense. Uh, let's be honest, okay? And – um you know, that's not easy to replace guys like that. And they've, they've been trying to do that all year, uh, especially with the front, you know, and then losing PJ kind of takes away what you want to do defensively with your pass rush, uh, because you get spoiled with a guy like him. You can rush for, and a lot of times, you know, he's going to, they're going to, he's going to get that pressure. So, um, it's, it's going to be interesting, but I think it's a great challenge of playing the Bengals. It's a huge game. Uh, you know, just me looking at, looking at the schedule. I mean, it's, it's going to be interesting, um, Having lost to him early, you know, I don't think you can go down there and, and not beat him this time. So I think it's just a big game on the schedule. You know, Tom, when I, I hear Mike Tomlin refer to in his press conference yesterday, he talked about painting between the lines, staying within the lines. In other words, not going outside the box, uh, maybe changing things up. And he, he talked about possibly his need to go and do some things that they haven't been doing. And to me, it almost sounded like, well, here comes maybe the fire zone we've been thinking about having or thinking that maybe he was going to unveil in the last couple of games but didn't, and that he's been staying basically with a four-man rush trying to provide that 
sort of pressure from the, the, the front end. But do you think maybe the fire zones could be out and about this coming weekend? Well, the fire zones are always the next dealer playbook because you know you guys have both played. You've seen a bunch of fire zones at practice. Right. So, you know, that's something that's yeah. a staple for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I, you know, I don't I anticipate it's going to be interesting because, you know, I don't know the Bengals. So I'm not sure is Tyler Boyd going to go this week. Do we know that? Um, we don't know yet. You know, that's going to be a difference of how you play this team without Tyler Boyd, I think, makes a difference, too. And then once again, you know, what what exactly is the Steeler health going to be like, you know, coming into the game? So I think that's going to be a lot of how you decide to play this football game about upon who's available. Yeah, availability is, is key. Like, you know, we, we talked like, about Matt, you're not available. You're in Mexico. Okay? <laughs> you can't count on you, Matt. You're in Mexico. So you're not <laughs> Hey, here's the thing. I am available because guess what? I'm still here, Tom. I am still here. <laughs> I'm talking to you just how I do every single week. So availability is the best ability. They ask for me to be here. I am here. I make a way. It might not be perfect, <laughs> but gosh, dog, it is all I got today. <laughs> but uh, but not. I know about that. By the way, Tom, just for for right full disclosure, I come in this morning. Guess what I did? Just, no idea with you. No idea. Okay, no, no. You remember you were sitting across from me when I uttered the infamous words, Oh, this is bad. This is bad. I forgot my notes again. I did it again. The last time I was, I, I forgot my notes. I was on with you sitting across from me in the studio. And <laughs> here I am years later. What happens? You're on the show and I forgot my notes. There's something about you. <laughs> No, yeah, see, it's a Tom it thing. Was, I, I think you gave me a Scooby Doo. You said Retro, and I'm like, oh boy, that's not good. I'm looking over at you. I'm like, not good. Something's wrong. He only has a pencil in his hand. I'm like, whoa, it's not going to be good. You know, so it was it was a good show. And you know, Wolf, I thought about it. Today is officially Way In Wednesday. Right, right, but it's no shame Thanksgiving weekday. <laughs> <laughs> We we dodged a bullet yet again, my friend. All right, yes, coach. We did. Now let me ask you something, Tom. You know when you, you know we we I, we all believe the standard is the standard. Okay, it's it's something that you've got to tell your guys because it's necessary that they play to that standard that they expect of themselves to play to a certain standard. But what happens when the standard maybe is something that guys aren't standard capable? Uh, you know because. You've got injuries, and then you've got more injuries. I mean, you you got a situation right now where you have somebody like Derek Tuska, who's you know getting significant reps, um, who you know yep. has never really established himself. You got guys like Daniel Archibong, and I, it, it's no slam on these guys. These are guys on the journey, trying to find a way, make a, a name for themselves, do what they need to do. Delonte Scott, again, guys up from the practice yep. squad, but you know you've got to. Do you minimize what they're their packages are or their responsibilities is that one way to try to cut it down so the reaction time is is at its primo yeah 
I think that's a great point you made, Wolf. You're going to have to cut it down because you want them to be able to play fast. You know, fast and fundamentals are going to are going to play out big in this game, and you don't want them confused and, and not knowing exactly what they want to do. So how much they can handle. But you know, anybody on this football team, if you're looking for an example of how to play football, why don't you just watch Cam Hayward, okay? Mm. Because that guy, every play, every game is a heck of a football player, you know, and, and I saw that the other day when he was running downfield chasing that guy, uh, you know, coming out of the stack. Uh, right. That's a heck of an example of a guy who just, you know, he battles every play every day. It's impressive. But I think they'll come up with a, game, a good game plan this week, you know, especially, you know, get some of those guys back that they can expand their package a little bit also. Yeah. Um, you know, looking at the secondary, I mean, how important is it, you know, when you think about all the all the missing personnel we had Sunday night and all of the new um, guys that were making their appearances, I mean, looking at Carl Joseph and Akilah Witherspoon that were in there, you know, it, it was it was a lot of personnel. I mean, how important is that as we get later into the season? Is it that those guys have gotten those reps um, earlier in the year? How important would that be on the back end if they are called upon to to, to serve again? Well, that, I think it's very important because they've got you know they get to know each other and play with each other. And, and you guys know the one thing that happens when you're playing with someone new is communication. You know, great defense can communicate. You guys both played on offensive line, and you know what it's like when you have a new guy next to you. You know, it's the communication part of different things. You don't know each other as well yet. But now that these guys have had a chance to work and, and get in there, I, you know, I expect them to have great improvement this week. You know, one of the things I wanted to ask you, Tom, was, okay, you've got a defensive situation here where you're lacking some of your firepower. You might get them back. Um, it's kind of tenuous. You're not sure. So you've got to make some tenuous, not sure game plans. Part of that game plan, can you go – do you go to the offensive coordinator and say, hey, can you take some of the air out of the ball, run the ball, um, try to shorten the game a little bit, uh, you know, possess the ball, those sorts of things that can – be beneficial when you got a Joe Burrows, a Jamar Chase, and a Joe Mixon on the other side of the ball. I mean, are there ever any discussions like that? Yes, there are those kind of discussions, and you know, slow it down a little bit. I thought that that was part of the, what they were going to do last week when they, the game started. You could just sense it, you know, with the run. But then when they got behind like that, they had no choice but to try to win the game, however, True. any way they could. And 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 to their credit, they fought like dogs to get it done. They had their opportunity. Uh, Danny Smith comes up with just a fantastic punt block scheme, you know, well-designed. That was a huge play in the game. They got the big interception, and I thought, hey, you know, this is a game that, you know, maybe on paper it didn't look like we're, the Steelers were going to win it, but all of a sudden they had that lead. Uh, they probably just scored a little bit too quick maybe, you know. So but I, I thought they were going to get that one. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I did too, being on the sidelines, and I can't imagine what it was looking like at home. Um, <clears throat> when you're looking at the Bengals, what 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 do you see as kind of one of one of their weaknesses? I think as a team, I mean, where where, where if you're going to attack them, where are you looking to uh, to kind of to kind of figure out what the mismatch can be? Well, to me, to me, I would believe it or not, I would throw the ball against them because their passing defense is ranked, I think, around 22nd in the league, and the rushing defense is, is ranked fourth, okay? So I know you try to run the ball, and we're, I'm contradicting ourselves with what we're saying about running the ball, but uh, I think where they have they have a couple deficiencies maybe in that secondary. 
You know, one of the things that, that stands out to me, um, just thinking about it, was, you know, there's been eight blocked punts league-wide. I mean, the whole league. But Miles Killebrew has two of the eight. That is significant. I mean, do you find some guys are just, they got a knack to do things like the blocked punt, you know, the, the extra point field goal something. Guys that just seem to find their way in there and be able to come through and make that play. Because it, it takes talent to do that. That's a highly skilled position in being able to come across and block a punt and and do that um, more than once in your entire career. Well, I think it's two things, Wolf. I think he's a guy that can do it, who has confidence in doing it. And then I think you have to look at the scheme that Coach Danny Smith drew up, you know, to make it possible, okay? Um, because when I watched that, uh, that block kick, you could just see – you know, everything was lined up exactly the way he thought it was going to be lined up. And then you have a guy like Killebrew who can do it. Uh, one thing you do learn as being a special team coach is don't ask someone to block a punt who can't block a punt. You know, you would sit there at practice sometimes. You know, you see they'd come down the mat, you'd watch them block a kick into the mat, and you're going, oh, my goodness, that guy will never block a kick. So <laughs> the one thing that you do is you do get your, your punch team set up for that guy or those two guys. Usually on every team there's probably two or three guys maybe that are good at blocking a kick, and there's a couple that are exceptional. And you try to get, get that guy free because he has the confidence to do it. And it's, as you know, it's a talent that's not, you know, it's not easily developed. There's a lot of things that go into it because – the different way, which way you come from the right side or from the left side, you know, is your right footed kicker or left footed kicker. There's a bunch of different things that go into this and, um, you know, how you do it and how you attack that punter without roughing him also if you do not get the block. You know, one of the other things, too, what, you know, we talked about it, uh, you know, Mike Williams' big touchdown or big catch down the sidelines there. And um, that – was that? Do you think that's a lack of communication there, Tom? I mean, and it, I don't want to point fingers at anybody. I mean, it is what it is. You know, you you had Arthur Millette blitz off the slot. You've got uh, either Cam or Trey. One of the things going on there, and a lot of people are saying that pro that probably wouldn't have happened if Minka had been in there. But at least communication wise, that's that's a distinct possibility, isn't it? Definitely, for sure. And, and as I said earlier, all great defenses talk, constantly talk. And, and, you know, when you guys have been offensive linemen, you've worked with guys, you know, you tap them, you say, and I know Wolf, we've talked about this, you'll say some crazy word, he'll know exactly what you mean, you know right. what I mean? And the new guy, you will say it to him, and he's like, what are you talking about? So there's a lot of different things. <laughs> and you got to be, um, you know, you got to be on, on top of it. Uh, and this league, it's the NFL, there's not a lot of margin for error, you know, there's not a lot of do-overs, so... Um, you know, one of those things that happened, whether I don't know, and, and like, I'm like, you, I'm not going to point fingers because I, you know, who knows what exactly went down, right? What they thought, but you know, it was definitely a bus back there somewhere. And, um, because he was just, it was just too wide open, <laughs> but anyway, you know, that's the thing, you know, maybe something communication wise, right? Um, and then you have a guy like Cam who's a veteran and like Cam Sutton, who's played, you know, everywhere for them. I mean, he, he's just a phenomenal you know, guy that can do all the things he does. So, you know, who knows, uh, you know, if, if what was called or what ended up happening, if there was a check, you, you never know. So, like you said, no sense pointing fingers, you know, let's get on to this one. Because as I watch it, you know, everybody's talking about the last week's game, but everything is still sitting right there. You got Ravens 7-3, and three, Bengals 6-4, Steelers 5-4-1, Browns 6-5, and five, right? Right. And, and, 
No, the schedule sets up down the pike. You got the Bengals again, Baltimore twice. Okay, still got Cleveland again. So the division games, as you know, are going to really come out of it. This is going to be an interesting. This could be a real interesting finish to, to this football season. Absolutely, and Tom, I'm gonna, let me ask you this: Have you ever had a Henway call? You know what Henway is? <laughs> you told me this before. That's what. <laughs> go ahead, tell tell Max. Yeah. yeah, Max, have you ever had a Henway call? I've never heard of having a Henway call. Well, a Henway calls when you give it to a rookie. You go Henway, and then he looks at you and goes, "What's a Henway?" You go about two pounds. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> you can see. No, I tell you what. I'm so mad right today, now. I'm going to be using a butter bean call on you. Will. Yeah, there you go. Butter yeah. bean. What? <laughs> oh, my butter bean. gosh. I'm, I'm getting, so getting, mad. Getting, getting uh, uh, GE. You were looking up at the light late in that one, weren't you? <laughs> you betcha, baby. <laughs> hey, thank you, Coach. I appreciate you coming on. Appreciate you so Thanks. much. Thanks, Tom. Great. Appreciate it. Happy Thanksgiving. Max, safe trip back, okay? Yep. You yeah, betcha. Thank you. Tom, happy it. Thanksgiving to you, brother. Thanks so much. All Thank right. All right. We'll be back with more coming back after this. In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks, presented by your neighborhood Ford store on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Welcome, everybody. We are back in the locker room. Max is in Mexico eating rancheros and all kinds of bacon-associated products, which I'm jealous, you know, because I'm sitting here in the studio. And I can see right now you're just bringing some more food in action here my man no 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 i i, I am done i'm done with breakfast wolf i am done now <laughs> oh okay you're good you're piling the plates it. up very good that's exciting well the steelers are going to get some players back from injury and illness this week hopefully against the Bengals. uh mike tomlin said at his weekly news conference that Minka fitzpatrick tj watt joe hayden and isaiah laudermilk are expected to practice this week of course, all four missed the loss at uh, L.A. there. But um, here's the thing. Uh, these are these are some key guys. T.J., Joe Hayden, uh, Minka, and Isaiah Laudermilk. And whoever thought that Isaiah would become such a noticeable, you know, part of the defense and that you would actually miss him because he was out? Once again, I mean, you know, he, I mean, his name is Isaiah Laudermilk. It's not quiet, Milk. <laughs> and uh, he's made an impact. He, he, he's been very loud when he's gotten in the game, and he's gotten better as he's progressed into the season and gotten into more of a role, like kind of understanding where do I fit in in all of this. So when you know you're that support guy, you can go a little bit harder. You can give a little bit extra effort because you know that you're going back to the sidelines, and it's probably going to be a while before you get back in the game. So I think knowing that and having that, he's able to sell out more and play things a lot harder because he knows kind of how, how to run in this, in this defense, and he knows when he's there. And I think that's always the biggest thing is you never know how to gauge yourself effort-wise, right? To like, okay, I don't want to gas myself by the fourth quarter 
by going all out in the first quarter. I've got to learn what my pace and my tempo is that can still keep me operating high, but I can recover for the next play or for the next series. And I think he's he's figured that out. He's figured out his rhythm and his cadence to where now he can actually play a lot more confident. And uh, it's a great thing to see because, I mean, normally it takes about two to three years right. to find that rhythm, especially in a 3-4 defense. And for him to have found what it is and trying to follow that pace this early is, is pretty good. That means that means he, he's on his way to being one of those that's going to be a fixture on this team for a couple of years. You know, what's, what's exciting about it is that he has advanced so far and so unexpectedly so far that given a, a, an offseason or two, you know, where you're, you, you know, you, you line up for Omaha steaks, you know, you get that every night, you get barbells with massive weights on it, you squat up and down in position, you know, you build your body. And I think this guy here, the fact that he's incapable of contributing as much as he is right now, which to me, again, that's a, a total surprise because I didn't think he'd be playing capable until next year at least but certainly the fact is that he's getting this experience and now if you can get some more muscle to back up that skill development and that game brains that you're acquiring already that's significant because that really advances you rather quickly through uh that whole learning curve thing well it skyrockets you and let's face it you know the turnover and the injuries that we've had the D line presses guys into service and puts them in a position where, you know, this ordinarily wouldn't have happened, but guess what? You're, 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 you're getting the masterclass right now, which means <laughs> you don't have to go through years of research to get here. We'll put you right in there right now. And you're going to learn on the job next to, next to a guy by the name of Cameron Hayward and Chris Wormley. And you're going to figure out how, how to be a pro by watching a pros pro live and in action. And just mimic what he does. <laughs> so. there's, there's no better teaching experience, that's for sure. Okay, that's a wrap yeah. for the first hour here. We'll be back with more after this.